Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabril, and get ready for the show. Just a word of warning, spoilers ahead. Yo, what's up, guys? And we are back. We're here. We're in the now. And we are doing Pixar movies again. And we're doing another one today. But yeah, we're back. I'm here with two of my friends, Raf and Ali. How about you guys? Say hello. Bonjour. Hello. Yeah, so... You guys ready for the next movie? Yes, please. Tell us. Tell yeah, us. Yeah, put us out of our misery. Tell us what we're watching. Please. All right. So this movie came out in 2001, mm. right? Ooh. And uh, pretty successful. It's starring John Goodman, mm. Billy Crystal, mm. Steve Buscemi. Mm. I think you guys know where I'm going. Yes. It's our up. hairy friend and one-eyed friend, Monsters, Inc. Ah, Monsters, oh, Inc. Brilliant. I haven't seen this film mm. in so long. Dude, I love this movie. I still and um, I still remember that Randy Newman track. Always, always in my head. Yeah, well done. I don't. Remember. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Well, good for you. Oh no, shit. Good job. <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Monsters Inc. Probably one of the more successful movies that Pixar has done. And it's been, it was directed by Pete Docter, who's basically done loads of different Pixar movies. He did Up. He's doing the new movie that's coming out called mm. Soul. Um, he did Inside Out. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, so one of my favorite movies, actually, for Pixar as well. It's also my top five. Love the characters. I love the whole idea of, the monsters in your closet kind of thing mm. that was going on with this film. And yeah, do you guys remember this film at all? When was the last time you guys watched it? Uh, I, I would say maybe 10 years ago. I, I, I'd say around there, but I still and will forever remember Mike Wazowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, w- I think I watched this last. Well, wow, that was a really that was good yeah, one. that was that actually was surprisingly good. I actually just played it on YouTube. No, did you actually? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. I won't discredit myself. That was me. I'm a voice actor. Thank you. Ah, oh, with pipes like that, I can see why. Mm. Uh, yeah, I saw this. I think. I, I, yeah, I mean, do anything after this? <laughs> I'm in Vancouver. You're in London. Can we do this? Well, we'll just get Jabriel off this call and we'll have our own little <laughs> chat to get to know each other a little better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I watched this film uh, last, I think, in, I remember distinctly seeing it in my last year of university with some friends. I think it was shortly after we'd done our finals. And I may have been a little bit, um, I should say, in good spirits, perhaps. Intoxicated? <laughs> with something, yeah. And um, But yeah, I remember having a really great time, so... Um, I'm excited to see this again. Sweet. Lovely. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited. Um, let me give you a little bit of a premise, though. It's basically a movie where there's a little girl, and she's scared of what's in her closet. And it turns out that there's these monsters that live in the closet, and it's like this whole like way that the monster city gets energy is basically by the screams of children. And these two guys befriend a little girl that they meet and it's this whole crazy adventure that they go through and um yeah that's pretty much the movie i don't want to give too much away for the people that haven't seen this movie which i doubt anybody i'm pretty sure everyone's seen this movie i don't know (laughs) yeah it's like universally um, loved i'm pretty excited to watch it 
Yeah, yeah, it's so great. It's so quotable. Mm. Um, so let's do so it. So yeah, so uh, I guess we'll yeah, let's do it. Let's let's get to the movie, and I'll catch you guys soon. What's up, guys? And we are back. Just watched Monsters Inc. And yeah, what you guys think? What initial thoughts? I need to know because for me, this movie was the best. I loved it so (laughs) much. Um, How about Raph? You kick it off. You know what? So much better than I had anticipated and that, and so much better than I had remembered um, because I only vaguely remembered it when I watched it. It must have been a decade ago now. Um, and it was so endearing, so kind, so lovable. Just It had all of those just positive feelings thrown in and around it, and I was left with just one simple word joy uh yeah well i'll go next then i i um yeah i hated it yeah i fucking hated this movie (laughs) Uh, you guys finished it um no no it was it was uh i thought yeah yeah it's it's yeah wonderful it was so good i i also like raf i i'd completely forgotten just how successful this movie is on nearly every level i guess i thought because okay so i guess i thought because the story or the premise doesn't necessarily have quite the um maybe the emotional resonance that the story of the premise of toy story have has it would be somehow less of a worthy film but i just thought it worked so well on so many levels that i enjoyed it even more than i did toy story i thought that the um the 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 jokes were on point i thought the character work was fantastic i thought the animation style which i'm sure we can get into later was Mm. sensational i just thought it was just a really well constructed story exciting funny sad endearing touching all of the adjectives and it just came together so perfectly well by the end so yeah a a really enjoyable experience yeah like thinking about it it's been a very long time since i watched that movie i remember we had it on vhs so it was always on like on the weekends put it in we'd watch the movie sometimes rewind it watch it back like i really really enjoyed watching it again so i i don't know where to start with this one um shall shall we go with the with the narrative the storyline first or do you guys have any ideas no i think i think what we did with toy story is we worked on the animation first which was an obvious one since we're going to talk about pixar and you know Mm -hmm. they're predominantly animation so let's start with the story this time because this i think i think monsters inc blends perfectly between uh groundbreaking revolutionary uh animation and just such a strong core story and i think that's what makes it um i for me kind of supersede and 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 surpass um toy story uh, on that level it just had such a it's that had such a pleasant story and such a an adventurous story that kind of took out Toy Story. And I won't compare them all, all the time, but I will compare uh, this to like you know previous works. But it, it it just had that just almost through line of you could watch it endlessly. Like I didn't even want it to be over. Um, yeah. But the story itself, 
I love the concept. I thought it was such a cleverly constructed mm-hmm. plot, um, which revealed the core theme. Uh, you know, children's fears are fueling this monstropolis, this monster city. And again, a theme that is introduced in Pixar that revolves around emotions and feelings and that is introduced again and again in their canon. And I think that's like the real strength of, of Pixar is introducing uh, emotions in and around a story that's just vivid and bright and colorful and fun, you know? Mm, yeah, and, and I think it really, um, I think it really works really well as like a successor to um, or a follow up to Toy Story because it is another example of what Pixar did really well early on, which is that they were kind of basing their stories on these really recognizable experiences from childhood. These, um, okay, so you know how we discussed on our last episode how the whole premise of Toy Story was built around the fantasy you had when you were a kid of your toys coming to life whenever you left Mm -hmm. the room. Well, when you're kids, you also, uh, because you have a very overactive imagination, you, um, and, you know, you fantasize or, like, you know, scare yourself with the thought that there is a monster hiding underneath your bed or in your closet at night when the lights are switched off. And so they just take that small little premise and they just run with it and they build an entire world from that. And, you know, I guess you could say, like, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting that they started with Toy Story because that's almost, it's a fitting like metaphor for where they were they were at that point quite small they were you know playing with toy sized figures in their mm-hmm. room but then by this point because probably they had a much larger budget to work with and because they'd already had a couple of successful films out by that point they gave themselves the uh, opportunity to kind of build their own world in their image so they built the city this monstropolis and this whole industry built around you know the, the uh, fear energy from children and mm. Yeah, it just makes this um, such a more fulfilling experience to watch as well. One of the biggest things that I got out of this movie, especially the storyline, was maybe not so much like Toy Story, where Toy Story was like based off of nostalgia and all that kind of stuff, but rather Monster Zinc, maybe, okay, let me put it this way. Um, the movie can be watched in two different ways. Like, Mm. as a kid, I watched it amazing. As an adult, I watched it amazing. And they were both two completely different experiences. Like, Mm -hmm. the adult undertones that you don't really notice as a kid, they were so apparent to me. Like, the scary thought of, like, raising a child. You know, it's like the two dads mm. that have no idea what they're doing with with a with a child and i thought that very that you know development of character was really funny and really heartwarming um mm. which i didn't notice as a kid as a kid i guess i took the point of view of the child in the movie what was her name the, or you, or at least you may have you may have related more to the character exactly. of mike and yeah. Sully, but at the same time, you didn't necessarily, you know, you couldn't recognize their feelings when it came to looking after a little child or like yeah. um, being a parent. I mean, none yeah. of us are parents yet, but we are adults and we yeah. are approaching that age, whether we like it or not, where we, some of us, oh. you know, <laughs> may have to look after children or maybe, yeah, believe it or not, 
God forbid, <laughs> actually bear one. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that is that that is something different that you take from this when you watch it as an adult and not yeah. as a child. Mm. But the parenting thing, uh, that's something that runs through a lot of Pixar films. Um, mm. I think sometimes unintentionally so. I think if you looked at all of their all of uh, the studio's films, about half of them in some way are about parenting. And that's I, because I imagine that a lot of the people, a lot of the guys who write and direct and animate those um, and produce those films are parents themselves. And so they and like what makes a Pixar film is probably coming somewhere between like, you know, trying to grapple with the feelings of being a parent yourself and looking mm -hmm. after a child and also trying to resurrect those feelings of being a child yourself. Mm. You know, that that just reminds me of uh, when we talked about Spielberg and his attention to like the family unit. Um, mm. It'd be cool if he does a Pixar movie. I don't know if he has, but he should. Yeah, I don't know if other directors in the past have, you know, sort of stepped into the Pixar toy shop and been allowed to, like, direct their own movie there. But um, that would be really interesting, actually, like a mm -hmm. merging of their visions. Um, yeah, especially an acclaimed or established director that steps into that world. And I think Steven Spielberg already created, uh, you know, his kind of own animation studio with DreamWorks. Um, but it, it, it would definitely be interesting to, to see Steven, Steven Spielberg, Stevie Spielberg's Pixar. Well, that's like a really hard three words to say. Stevie Spielberg's oh, Pixar. I didn't um, know he did DreamWorks. Yeah, well, that's kind of his, uh, you know, that's his uh, little department that he created over the years and it grew and grew. I don't know what they're up to now. I'm not really up to date with DreamWorks. Um, they're, if they're still competing against uh, Pixar, but they were when Monsters, Inc. was released, because Pixar was Jeffrey... Jeffrey Katz, sorry, Jeffrey Katzenberg, one of the co-founders of DreamWorks, he's been on, on his own mission with uh, Quibi, so I don't know if that's right. taking him away yeah. from DreamWorks, so that, that's why some of the, you know, uh, fuel has been taken out of the DreamWorks tank, but, mm. yeah. No, that could, that, 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 yeah, that could be. I just wanted to say that um, this was in direct... Um, not conflict, but a competition with Shrek, which was another DreamWorks mm -hmm. um, uh, title, which, like, I think you said, Jabriel, that it's, uh, it, took, it took home the Oscars for Best Animation instead of Monsters, Inc. So yeah. there was a time where DreamWorks oh. and Pixar was head-on-head, head, you know, with, with, you know, competing animation like that. Um, but back to the story, uh, and... Uh, addressing all the points that you guys have already made, I, I just wanted to emphasize on how they used that um, childhood kind of idea of, of our fears and lightening it, you know? They lightened an actual fear that kids have, that we had, that I had, you know? I, I had very much this fear of a monster in my closet, and my monster was, like, all kinds of fucked up. But that... You know, many kids can relate to that. It's it, Pixar just finds these gems from our childhood and he brings it to the big screen. And all of us, most of us kids can relate to these films. And the fact that they don't only cater to kids, but also to adults means that they've basically done a double whammy situation here where they made a movie for kids and for adults. So it's like double, you know, double the watchability or even like double the income, double the, the gross revenue. 
Um, because you will end up as a kid watching it and then you will have to watch it again as an adult and it will be, like you said, Jay, a totally different story or somewhat different because your perspective has changed through the years. Um, but what this film did for me as a kid, I remember, it helped ease the fear that I had and it flipped it yeah. on its head, you know? Yeah. Much like, um, mm. I think, other Pixar ventures. Um, yeah, like I said, they're so good at finding like real childhood subject and painting it like vividly and playfully. And in this instant, it was, you know, cloaked in, in, in the realm of monsters. And, and um, I thought that was just brilliant. And it helped me as a kid. I don't know if it helped any other kids out there, but it really eased that fear for me. So thank you, Monsters, Inc. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Um, mm. I was also maybe less scared of the monster in the closet and more like afraid of the dark. I was always mm. the kid that had to have like a light on. So yeah. Yours was like a fear of the unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just one thing that was in the dark is whatever could be in the dark. Exactly. That was the same for me too. Yeah. But after watching this movie, I got, it got a lot easier. Definitely. So wait, were you guys? How old were you guys? Were you guys when this film came out? I'm assuming you watched this when it was in the theaters. I was I was nine I was years eight old. Or so. Yeah. Maybe. Eight. Wait, shit! Yeah. I was nine because I'm the same year as Jabril, so I was eight too. We have to get this right, Jabril. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I was either seven or eight. Yeah, depending on mm. when this movie mm. came out. Let's when see. When this movie came out, yeah. Um, yeah, we still don't have a yeah, fact I think check it was for you out there. So, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so this was a month after my eighth birthday right on. that it was released. And Ollie, you were, what, 32 at that time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember because I just got my first mortgage. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so this movie um... <laughs> really sh- scared the shit out of you. Yeah, you know, I, I remember... Um, I remember I didn't even get to finish this film because they had to remove me from the theater because I was scaring the other kids, you know? Um, apparently it was weird that an adult was in a trench coat in the theater. Oh, right. I remember reading that in the papers, Sobbing yeah. hysterically the entire time. That's right, that's um, right. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I am 50. 51 or what is it i'm 51 now yeah that's true um so um this yeah is, no this I, is an old joke i was a little a bit joke. i was a little bit yeah, yeah i was a little bit older than than you guys not yeah. not considerably so but um uh because now our listeners are gonna think i'm i am like in middle age or something uh no no but i i remember seeing this film in the in the cinemas when it came out my parents took me Weird again. Because yeah, weird because you're 31 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed a lot of care and attention still at that point. It was a, it was a tough year for me. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I remember seeing that film in the cinema. Um, I don't remember if it had any effect on me in terms of easing any fear I had of the dark. Because, um, you know, I may have been over it by that point because I was 31. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh but yeah no i can i can completely see that i i think it's it's a beautiful way of taking something that could be quite traumatic for children and yeah and not just playing it for laughs but also i think it treats it seriously right it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't under uh, undermine it. it it plays it quite i mean it plays it quite seriously but at the same time manages to give it meaning give it purpose i suppose 
Um, I think that's an important, that's another theme that Pixar movies often have when they're dealing with children that um, I think I mentioned this, I briefly discussed Inside Out during our last episode. And I think the key takeaway from that film is that sadness and fear, those are important emotions that have their Mm. own place, just like happiness and, um, you know, all the positive emotions. Yeah, and for this instance, fear, right? Fear is a is an emotion. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Although, actually, what? I don't know. Maybe that kind of theory collapses because by the end they realize they don't need to scare the kids. True, um, mm. but <laughs> I think that was let's scratch uh, everything I just said. Yeah, never mind. He's had no point. I thought that was a really cool way to maybe explain to the new generation about like environmental. Um, the the environmental implications of energy and the use of energy. You know, absolutely. Like, I have that written. Like, um, you know, this kind of hurts the kid, so that's kind of bad. But if it if you're making the kid laugh, and this energy is also better, like mm. it's kind of like renewable energy and yeah. using oil. All that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, right. Because no, it, it definitely, it definitely has that, and 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 it also depends on how you take it. Do you take it literally, like a literal um, energy consumption, or do you take mm. spiritually and 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 um, and energetically, right? Like, mm-hmm. so transforming your fears into love and love into fears, or is it, yeah, the 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 whole capitalistic, you know. The underlying theme of you know massive corporations, you know mm. monsters capitalizing on our fears and turning it into profit in order to grow the mm-hmm. you know the monster and corporation, um, and it's made even more drastic with the um, what was it called uh, the the fear extractor uh, mm. towards the end of the movie where um, uh, what's his name the, the Randall 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 Randall, Randall. Randall. yeah. <laughs> I've only seen this no, film twice, right? folks. Um, but yeah, yeah. so and, and literally consuming fears into into profit, like that's kind of like mirroring our own world with large corporations doing this, using fear to make us continuously consume and purchase. And, you know, using yeah, fear I guess. As a way of I progress. Mean, yeah, exactly. I think like um, uh, I guess there in this in this analogy, I suppose, you know, you could look at the children that are being terrorized as um, maybe the developed, uh, the developing parts of the world rather, or um, the least empowered members of our society who often have to be exploited for mm. the wealthier members of society or the more developed countries to uh, generate energy and to generate capital. Mm. Mm. Like, yeah. I think it Could was very serious, shown no? very well um, during the twist with the CEO of the company where basically for most of the movie, he's like, yeah, I'm your friend. I would never do that. And mm. the twist was so Scariest surprising. monster, by the way. It's freaky as hell. Yeah. Freaking. Boy, is, is, what is he? Spider? Like a crab. He's like a crab monster. Yeah. Like yeah. Kind of like crabby, crabby, crab, crab. It was, it was weird. Mm. And it, and he mm. kind of looks exactly like who he's, um, who he's voiced by. Um, What's his who, name? who does play who does play his character? Uh, I was wondering that during the film. Can we can we get a fact check? It we... is yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> for some reason do like... I always pictured the dude from um, Arrested Development, the dad. But it, I know it's not him. Oh, oh. Jeffrey Jeffrey Tambo. Jeffrey. Uh, yeah, it's it's not him. 
We no, should do, it's we should James do. James Coburn. It's James Coburn. Yeah. Oh right, James Coburn, of course. Yeah, that the guy. Great Escape, mm. Magnificent Seven. You know, big big films oh, right. in the sixties. Um, oh, yeah, we goodness. should start like a poll for audit for <laughs> listeners, and they they can type in what they know about this film in case we just like forget. <laughs> this would be like a good thing for very interactive thing to create. Yeah, you won an Oscar in nineteen. Won an Oscar in nineteen ninety nine. Good for mm. good for him. You go, Glenn Coco. Um, <clears throat> you go, James. Uh, all right. Shall we? <laughs> yeah. Should, get back should, to should, yeah. Shall we proceed? Yeah. Shall we? Um, we're we're just yeah, all in so IMDb the, now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was really apparent with the with the main twist with the CEO guy of Monsters, Inc. And he shows up kind of being the, I don't know, the CEO that really wants the love of his consumers. Uh, but in the mm. end, he there's this whole twist, and it turns out that he's been lying, and he's trying to take advantage of the situation, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pretty scary monster, too. But he, he's news. kind of like a he's kind of like a lot of the um, Pixar villains in that he's this sort of elderly statesman. And when you first meet him, he seems really gentle and kind, and he's really affectionate towards our heroes. And when mm-hmm. he does have to do something bad and betray uh, the heroes, he often does it with a, a hint of regret and sadness and remorse. So you get the sense that he's someone who's perhaps been corrupted along the way, maybe started out with the best of intentions, kind of like, um, yeah, like the prospector from Toy Story 2 or the mm-hmm. Care Bear from Toy mm-hmm. Story 3. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all similar kind of villains. And villains that, like, are are created whole, you know? They're not one-dimensional or two-dimensional. They have more to that, and they offer more, which is why there's which is why the twist works as well as it does, um, especially the first time watching it, you know? Although you do have, like, that suspicion of, yeah, he's going to be a villain, but it's just, it's done so, so well. Um, and I think he helps also cover the theme of of, of fear and love, right? Because mm-hmm. love and fear are two powerful themes that are presented in this movie throughout. Um, and it turns out that love becomes the most powerful way towards progress since they use laughter and love to to you know to fuel their 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 energies and to fuel their 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 worlds and it it, it overpowers fear so it's that kind of message mm-hmm. that love is stronger than fear and it's it's okay and i thought that was always always a beautiful little arc because our fears yeah. i mean our fears are so real to us right they're so ingrained in us and they play and they play with that notion um, and I appreciate this theme a lot more now that I'm matured with my emotions and my feelings. You know, it's, it's, it's like fine wine. It ages well with this perspective. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if fine wine works. I just wanted to like throw that in there. <laughs> it's the French in you. Yeah, maybe because I just want some wine in like <laughs> about two hours. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to go and maybe talk about the casting what do you guys think of the casting mm. oh uh pitch perfect another example mm. of pixar having some of the best casting in the animation game 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's just impossible to think of Mike and Sully without the voices of Billy Crystal and uh, John Goodman. I mean, they seem like obvious choices a little bit when you mm. see the character designs. I mean, Mike is small and squat like Billy Crystal. Uh, Sully's big and garrulous like um, John Goodman. But they just bring bring so much warmth to their characters. And they have a really great... Uh, you can tell they probably had a great chemistry um, off camera as well. Or like behind the scenes because they just mm-hmm. it sounds like a lot of their dialogue was improvised. I don't know if it was, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know. Um mm. and then yeah, and Steve Buscemi is Randall is again kind of obvious casting, perhaps. It's not out of it's certainly not unsurprising for Steve Buscemi to play like a slightly sleazy, slimy character, but he just mm-hmm. does it so well. And then um I mean Araf, I know you're probably gonna break out your impression for this, but whoever the hell does the voice of is it Edna? It's Roz. Mike right? Wazowski. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Is it Edna? Is it Edna? I can't remember. Seriously? I mean, she looks like an Edna. An Edna. No, it's it's Roz or Rose. Rose. Roz. Okay. Roz. Ah. Yeah. And oh well. Anyway. It's voiced by Robert Patterson. Mm-hmm. Bob Patterson. <laughs> no. <laughs> Robert Patterson of Twilight. Yeah, no, Twilight. no, no. The new Batman. He's, he's an American animator. And I guess um yeah, he he's been working for Pixar since it started basically. Mm. Uh that you know they they often have that. I think like in The Incredibles, the voice of the uh designer, um the designer character mm-hmm. is uh, Ashley Bradbird himself. Oh anyway, no way! Little fun fact there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, and Frank Oz is in this as well. Yoda himself mm-hmm. is is in Monsters Inc. Yeah, he plays uh, Fungus, which is Randall's uh, kind of sidekick. Yeah, who is also oh, really? Um, he's Bert from Sesame Street, right? Yeah, indeed, think, yeah. indeed. Um, so again, just to, to just to show you that they they really chose they really went for the voice voiceover department here and chose some 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 talent that that have been working in this realm for a long time and maybe that's not so the case with some of our elite actors here but they just do it so beautifully and so perfectly that you'd think that yeah they've they've been voiceover actors their whole lives mm. um, and it's so yeah it's so hard to unsee that now like I can't think of anyone else to play these characters but. But these, this core ensemble, there is just, it's it's a perfect casting and it's what makes this movie as memorable as it is. And for me, yeah, Steve Buscemi is perhaps one of my favorite, you know, these, this is one of my favorite villains and one of my favorite characters in Pixar is is, is Randall, you know, just this slimy, snaky and chameleonic monster. It's, mm. He's, he, 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 he was frightening. He's an actual monster. I, I was, and when he goes invisible, like, I mean, there's no better monster to that. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's no, a, the casting was great, and it, and that that's just also you know that brings us to the subject of the character design itself. Mm-hmm. But these um, that you can tell they had so much fun probably coming yeah. up with these aliens, not aliens, sorry, these monsters. Mm. But but yeah, and, um, but yeah, mm. uh, Randall, it is it is really creepy. It's really mm. disturbing. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I think I think we can gently now move to the meat of 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 perhaps what this movie is, it's animation. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't, 
I didn't know back then, but I knew rewatching it that the hair on Sully. I mean, mm. this is the kind of thing that like has revolutionized animation forever and has changed the game. Um, and I think yeah. Monsters Inc. Um, to, to to not receive the accolades it maybe should have is is a bit of a snub. But I feel like it's brought animation to a whole new level, much mm. more than Shrek did. Um, mm. I guess Shrek maybe deal, dealt with a very different side of animation. But I like to think that there is already a huge progression between Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story. And Pixar has evolved yeah. so much just over six years to give us this like refined animated feature. And, and, and I, I want to emphasize again, look at those hairs on Sully. And the detailing is crazy and it still holds up. Um, and I like to throw in a fun fact here is that this very hair animation really did redefine how we animate moving mm -hmm. and blowing hair, you know, swerving from left to right with this state of the art, uh, state of the art simulator called Fisty. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Fisty or some, something like that. Fisty or mm. Fizzty. Um, and this. Uh, simulator was then used for many other uh, animations uh, after it, and it helped create three million hairs on Sully, uh, kind of seamlessly, uh, so that they can focus on the other aspects uh, of the animation. So they had the simulator do that. Um, funny thing is, they also tried all the monsters, uh, both bald and hairless versions so i just want you to imagine sully like hairless or bold and i don't know if that's uh, an even creepier monster for you there well it's easy wanna... to imagine that because you just think of that other monster the poor guy that kept oh, getting yeah. oh yeah kept getting like um kept getting like clotheslined and bum rushed to the ground by those cda agents yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, 14. Oh, 14. yeah. yeah, yeah. he kept getting contaminated poor him poor him oh, i my love God. that little side gag one of the best running gags yeah, and I love yeah. his like as a sidebar. I love his little comeuppance at the end when he mm -hmm. just, <laughs> someone tries to call him out, and he just like shoves it down his throat. <laughs> uh, yeah, brilliant. But yeah, so that was just to say that um, they really did uh, move drastically forward with with the animation department in Pixar, which is why I think Pixar kept reimagining and redefining the game for animation for years to come. Because every movie that came from Pixar's lab from from Pixar's laboratory, or yeah, from Pixar's laboratory, I guess mm. that works, but from their library mm. of films, each film already does something vastly different than the other, and that's just mm. like why Pixar is helmed as, you know, the best animation department out there. I think the hair was definitely revolutionary, but it wasn't something that I noticed when I was a kid. What right. really, I think... What really surprised me back then and right now was when they went through that room and there was like a trillion doors. Like oh, yeah, how, how big mm. and huge they make that room looked. Uh, mm. it, was, it was insane. And I, I remember watching it again and I was like, holy crap, this is 2001. Mm. Like mm -hmm. um, the huge jump from Toy Story to... Uh, Monsters Inc. Like yeah, in Toy Story, they could barely do anything in the background. Like mm. in Monsters yeah. Inc., they can they can create this massive, expansive places, and mm -hmm. yeah, it was just it was crazy. 
I don't know. It blew mm. my mind. It blew my yeah. mind. No, yeah, because sure. I thought, uh, I, I, you know, this is, it, you know, you're dealing with a really um, impressive film when you're watching it and you keep thinking that one set piece is going to be the climactic set piece of the story. Like, this is going to be, you know, where everything comes together and, you know, it finally comes down and it's all resolved. But it kept adding on and adding on to that scene where they're, you know, chasing Randall or whoever through the, yeah, uh, through that kind of, uh, I don't know how you describe it, massive network or of conveyor belts with different doors leading to different mm. um, portals. It was, yeah, really impressive. Uh, I just want to say as well that um, uh, that I love the design and the kind of the feel of Monstropolis itself. I, you know, I don't think they, they you know, emphasize this too much, but I felt like it was kind of, there was a, did anyone get like a 1950s, 60s metrop- metropolitan kind of feel? Like the way yeah. it looked kind of looked like how cities, you know, how New York was depicted mm-hmm. on illustrated adverts in the 50s and 60s. It just felt kind of jazzy. And I just I really yeah. liked it. It, it yeah. felt like New no, York I... with the mm-hmm. accents. Mm-hmm. And the... But like in the 50s, right? Like, you know, when you saw like yeah. television screens in the world, they were like those weird space age looking TVs that you'd get mm-hmm. in the 50s. I like... For me, it was all like the the knobs and the buttons and just the way everything looked like future, like what the fifties thought the future was gonna be. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. I think that 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 sums it up perfectly. Yeah, and I think I think it. I mean, it's for to our eyes, it's most definitely New York because you can just like they they created such an atmosphere that feels like new york even if i've never been to new york i can i felt the atmosphere of new york in this film and i think uh as much as your points are are right there and you've hit it on the nose there's also like the the idea of 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 the amount of diversity between the monsters right and the amount of personalities like that beautiful array of personalities when they're just walking around the street they see a giant monster that's like you know 12 meters long and then they see Mm. like little Jeje monsters down there and it's like all these different monsters and yeah that's that's new york it's a big you know it's a big metropolis of different like personalities clashing together or coming together so it's mm. yeah it was a really fun uh i wish they I, you know i wish they had shown more of of, of the of yeah. those streets of like you know that kind of world um because obviously i don't know if it's to do with the animation restrictments uh and, and the limitations of that time but they definitely kept it more confined within halls and like corridors and all, all, like within Monsters Inc. most of the time. So, mm. but but yeah, still um, such a lovely, lovely personality that city had, for sure. I think they tr- did try to explore the world a little bit more in, in the sequel, Monsters mm-hmm. University, which oh was it a prequel? Right, yeah, yeah, prequel. yeah, yeah which prequel, I'm. Yeah. S- I I definitely watched, but I'm not sure I actually saw it. If that makes any sense, because I have zero memory of I it. Don't understand. I mean, I know I sat, <laughs> I know I sat down and watched it, like I I you know from start to finish, but it like left no impression on me. Like I don't remember <laughs> anything that happened in that movie. Just blank face, just like absolutely. It's as if, it's as None if you were Clockwork Orange, just like eyes <laughs> wide open. Trying to like take it all in. Well, yeah, but nothing, nothing stuck. So I don't know, but mm-hmm. yeah. But staying yeah. on. Either you're broken Monsters or Inc. unbroken. Yes, staying on unbroken. What? Yeah. On Monsters Inc. <laughs> staying on Monsters Inc. Uh, 
Uh, I just wanted to, again, state the hairs on Sully. Mm, mm. I, I will, I will, I will leave this podcast with at least mentioning it twice. The hairs on Sully, because for me that it was, it's just, you know, it's the kind of animation that made me look um, at other animations and be like, you see what they did? You see yeah. what they did? And it was as simple as just putting hair on Sully. But yeah. in Nepal, when they were exi uh, exiled, that sh snow animation mixed with Sully's hair as he mm. like slides down the mountain. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that really American mountain. Um, <laughs> It, that I mean that, and with the like little like headlamp that he has, mm -hmm. that picture alone of him just going down, I was like, this this is like animation that we get in 2020, you know, and this was 19 years ago. Yeah. So I I just thought again, yeah. kind of some mind blowing animation here. No, it was, it, you know, it's no one can deny it. It was a quantum leap forward in terms when you look like go home and watch Toy Story, then watch Monsters Inc. and just see the difference. It is, mm. um, yeah, truly significant. Yeah. I was going to say, um, looking at what they did with Sully and the hair and all of that, and then you go and watch the, the winner of that year's Academy Award for uh, Best Animation, Shrek, you can see where the focus was, I guess. Sh I, I don't know why... Shrek was considered better. Like, watching Monsters is Inc. again, there's a lot, there's a lot going for it. I don't know. Like, but, but Shrek, the... Sh Shrek was a cultural, like, it was a cultural sensation when it came out. You have yeah. to remember. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe it hasn't aged as well as Monsters Inc., but I think also the idea, now it's pretty commonplace, so people might take it for granted, but the idea of taking, you know, children's animation and basically using it to make a lot of pop culture satire and to mm. um, and to make jokes that can really appeal to adults as well um, and to kind of take a postmodern spin on fairy tales. I don't know. Mm. It was it, it felt very new and bold at the time, mm. and it did announce I guess... a new player in the form of DreamWorks Animation. Like by that point, Pixar were kind of like the um, you know they were sitting on the throne. They had been mm. for like half a decade. So I can understand why Shrek had that kind of momentum, that freshness going mm. for it. Yeah. I guess I'm kind of mad that Shrek, <laughs> like the Shrek franchise got pretty bad. <laughs> I could just, I can just picture eight year old Jabriel uh, just going, fuck. Just watching <laughs> going, the Oscars ah. be. <laughs> damn, damn, this is a travesty. Yeah. <laughs> Blasphemy. Is this amateur hour? <laughs> Monsters Inc. had much richer and denser storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the hairs on Sully? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to take sides. You know what? I, don't I, I mean, I don't wanna, I'm, I'm I don't trying to. Sides. I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, on the no animation course. side. You know. Yeah. No. Oh course. yeah, yeah. But um, best animated film is not, you know, it's not necessarily nominating just the animation, the quality of animation. No, no. It's just the best film that happens to be animated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So well done, Shrek. You did it. Um, but like I said, fine wine, everybody. Monsters, Inc. ages like fine wine. Um, now, 
I wanted to move on for if we could like address our last points. I guess we're coming towards the end of this because mm. um, I wanted to throw that in there. It's a bit of a wild thing. Well, it's not wild, but anyways, I'll just jump in. And I wanted to discuss the difference between Pixar and Disney uh, because at this point, Pixar had kind of settled themselves as like, we are going to be the children's storyteller. We're going to be the ones doing the animation. Disney can kind of fall back. And Disney had had a prominent, you know, decade in the 90s, throwing, you mm. know, Lion King in there, Hercules, you know, all, all those memorable. Yeah, Mulan, like all these huge names. And then Pixar comes in and is like, well, we're going to be a very different company. Um and I think they kind of replaced Disney's drawn animation for three-dimensional animation um, because I think what they did right is they inspired more hope than Disney. Now, I, I, sorry for the Disney listeners out there that disagree, very welcome to. I just like to think that Pixar remains um, a lot more hopeful than Disney. Disney um animation always drew close to the heart with their kind of scarring and traumatic moments um you know they had a lot more death and darker themes and bleaker tones and yes i'm going to draw back and aim at the 40s and 50s disney's so like bambi snow white hunchback fantasia and i think 90s uh, disney kind of tried to revamp that make it more colorful but there was still a bit of stark imagery and a bit of bleakness that Pixar really never had. Pixar really gave you hope, life, colors. And um, maybe that's why one of, the, one of the many reasons why Pixar kind of dominated that field and, and garnered so much more attention than Disney ever could because of that. I like to think that's one of their strongest suits. But that's just me. I'm just saying it. I'm not trying to anger Disney fans out there. I, I love completely Disney. agree. Too late, man. I Too late. They're angry. Shit. You know, there goes my Disney contract. For me, Disney to Pixar is like when people stopped thinking the earth was flat and people started thinking it was a globe or like the center of the universe, you know, like that's a huge jump. And there's a reason why that sort of animation is preferred to, you know, the two dimensional, I guess, in terms of mm -hmm. feature films, big movies, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 really, I frankly, I can't really go back. Well, not really that I can't watch two dimensional animation, but like Pixar, the way they do things and the way DreamWorks did with Shrek and other movies, I can't really remember what the other movies were, but like. B was that B movie? Is it B movie? <laughs> <laughs> our our favorite our favorite animation, Ollie and I's favorite animation, uh, the B movie. Yeah, we I think we saw that film like four times in the cinemas. <laughs> but not even no. I wish we were kidding. No, that and, was a uh, that see. was DreamWorks animation though. Yeah. But you can see like what's preferred. Like even the new SpongeBob movie was three dimensional. It wasn't like two D. I, I didn't watch. I it, mean, but... I, I personally think that I would. I, I I would like to think that one day there is a world in which, you know, two D, three D, whatever exists between all sorts of films could fare well, mm. in cinemas and with, um, with with uh, audiences of all ages. I mean, I think you're right, Jabril. Sadly, it seems that people prefer more computer animated three D styles these days. But um, you know, I think. 
Well, for example, like like uh, Miyazaki films, for example, or Studio Ghibli films, or mm-hmm. uh, I still do very well. And I think nobody thinks, you know, I mean, the a lot of the principal figures at Pixar have often expressed how indebted they are to the films of Miyazaki and um, how, how big a fan they are of, of, of that studio. And so I think there's a place for everyone at this table, I guess is what I'm saying. Going back on, on Raph's point, um, mm. do you not think that Pixar goes through traumatic, I guess, pretty traumatic events, I, you know? I mean, like, the first 10 minutes of Up. Um, up was, oh my God. <laughs> Also, the Bugs Life scared the shit out of me when I was Bugs a kid. Bugs Life was freaky. That, that ending when they feed the bad guy to those baby yeah. birds. Oh, yeah. That yeah. actually makes that actually sends chills up my spine. Yeah, look, I mean, of course, Pixar has their moments. Um, I I just like to think they instill a lot more color, uh, and I'll mm. say that color kind of figuratively not literally, because mm-hmm. obviously there's color. We're not making black and white films here. Um, mm-hmm. But I, th- there's just more sense of fun and lightness to, to a Pixar movie. And also, and I don't know if this is because of 3D animation, but it, it, it caters to adults more than a Disney animation would cater in an adult. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you see Disney hand-drawn animation, it's a few, I don't know about all the adults, but... I know the adults of my life are like, oh, this is for kids because it's hand-drawn animation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, then again, I suppose that is true. But then again, very disputable. Um, uh, and I think that now we're coming to a point where we've done so much 3D animation that we're trying to now redefine that whole um, genre. We're trying to redefine mm-hmm. this whole uh, animation and, and make it, give it a more clever use, give it a more refined or... Or a fresher look and I think now we're coming back to a point where we're doing more hand-drawn stuff with 3d animation involved mm. um, I like to say and I think I mentioned this on the last podcast spider-man um, spider-man was definitely I mean revolutionary for sure I mean you see something like that and you're like this is changing the whole we should game. clarify you mean uh, uh, spider-man into the spider-verse right yeah uh, yes indeed, indeed yeah 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 sure good. not not Tom Holland's spider-man um, but uh, I Lost My Body was another one of those that I think got snubbed for the Oscars, but presenting a more mature and a more um, spiritual and, and uh, energetic animation. And the things that we can do with animation nowadays are you know, kind of mind-blowing. So there's a lot of revolution in the animation department right now on how we want to deliver different features with animation. I'm saying animation a lot. I'll say it one more time. Animation. <laughs> yeah, don't play that drinking game at home, guys. Um, well, I don't... I'm, so I'm kind of confused now. So what is Disney... Uh, like, Disney's and Pixar's relationship? Is that kind of like what they have with Marvel? Or did initially Disney have a huge influence on what the stories would be like? Or... Um, I don't know if this is in poor taste. I don't know if this is in poor taste, but maybe an apt comparison might be the relationship between China and Hong Kong. (laughs) Like the kind of uh, two states, one system rule. Mm -hmm. Um, Or one state, two systems rule, rather. Um, I don't know. Um, Okay, yeah, maybe this is a little bit too 
topical for um, a nice little movie review podcast. But basically, from what I know is that uh, Disney owns Pixar, but from what the folks at Pixar have said in interviews, they don't. They 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 have an agreement. I suppose they don't necessarily intervene too much in terms mm-hmm. of the creative. Um, but and why would they? Pixar have been making successful movies, both commercially and creatively. For decades at this point, I don't think Disney needed a reason to interfere. They they just saw it as a great business acquisition, mm-hmm. and it has been. And so it just came down to dollars and cents at the end of the day. Okay. Well, all right. That makes sense. Um, I just didn't really know. Because, you know, in the perfect world, they would work together and make this, like, beautiful thing. But I guess... They're competitors in a way. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Disney is Disney releasing. I mean, Disney's more of like a conglomerate, right? So, mm. is this does Disney have its own like specific animation arm? I don't. They think do. So. Yeah, they have Disney Animation. Um, oh really? It's, it's, it's its own department. Yeah, they've they've released a, a slew of films. Um, they did like from, Entangled from or something. Yeah, or... Tangled. There was Moana. There was Frozen. You know, they, Moana these was Disney. Of... It wasn't Pixar. Yeah. No. Oh, no, and they so, did um Ralph. They did Ralph breaks the uh Wreck It Ralph and Ralph yeah, breaks yeah, yeah. the internet, right? That's oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, fair enough. Oh. So I guess you're right. They are competitors. All right. Sorry, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Shit, so I thought Moana better? was Pixar. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zootopia <laughs> as well. No. Yeah, I have no Zoot- idea. Zootopia and Big Hero Six, yeah, those are dope movies. Yeah, those were great. Yeah, no, like so. Basically, we found out that Disney has this whole animation department that's creating (laughs) all these like pretty popular films, and we're all like, "Wow!" We're supposed to be movie experts. God damn it, we failed. Wow, wow, wow. But I, hey, this isn't my theme, so. I do not claim any kind of expert knowledge of Pixar or animated films in general. I I don't either. Jabril, it's all on you. Damn. I mean, I was still, I'm still the newbie, guys. (laughs) Can't escape that. Yeah, unfortunately. Still need you guys to hold my hand. Can do, can do. So, do you guys have any final thoughts before this, before we wrap this up? Um, I, I actually. I had one final thought. It, mm-hmm. Sully's hair. I mean, it, it was just... <laughs> oh, my God. It was... You know, just, it's just like something that, like, really just... No, yeah, that's my... I don't have any last thoughts. That's, that's it. We can go yeah, ahead. I'm, and starting to think, I'm starting to think Raph has stock in Fizz tea or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely do. Like, 0.5%. <laughs> um, uh, flaws, flaws. Um... No, oh, I, yes. I, re- I mean, I, at, the, at the very beginning, I, I, I mentioned that I didn't think this maybe had quite the kind of emotional depth that Toy Story did, but I oh. think as we've dis- you know, as we've discussed here, it, it really does actually. It comments on a lot of themes mm. like parenting, about mm. uh, exploitive um, energy consumption and production practices, <laughs> um, Sully's hair. Um, no, I think it. Sully's hair. And uh, so no, no, I just think a really successful film on all fronts, and yeah, I, I. I, even though I'm usually the guy that seems to bring the conversation down, the nerv- the negative Nelly that comes in with the criticisms, I, I can't at this, time, at this point. Yeah, Jaber, what about you? Do you did you have any drawbacks? Not really, honestly. 
I, I want to change my Toy Story rating just because I think this is now the best toy, uh, the best Pixar movie. So, <laughs> um, ah, shit. Pixar, why do you have to do this? Damn you, Pixar. <laughs> so shall, shall, shall we do ratings now then? or? Yeah, let's just do or ratings, what? I think. Because I think I thought this yeah. film was flawless. Oh yo! Who wants to go first? I I I I like to address like maybe one Ooh. flaw. If they could just add one more hair on <laughs> Sully's skin, just just yeah. One. I thought it looked a little like a mullet. It was lacking. It looked a little yeah, unrealistic. Yeah, a little lackluster. Yeah, like a mullet. You know, like a little swaying in the wind. You know. Um, yeah. No. It, it, uh, to give to give my final thoughts on it. Um, revolutionary animation, uh, perfect casting, uh, a sense of timelessness that still holds up when you watch it 10 years later. Um, it's really the power of Pixar in one, in one film. Um, they introduced all of their strongest facilities in this one, and they really topped it by showcasing that they are the best in the biz. And what a sucker punch of an ending. Um, I definitely shed three tears that I now contain in a jar. And I will leave this film with nice. maybe 10 Sully hairs out of 10. What about you, Ollie? Yeah, I think, um, I think yeah, it's a beautiful story. Very well told. And once again shows the boundless well of imagination that the uh main crew at pixar had i think this was and this was probably when they were operating at their peak too mm. um uh so yeah i would have to give this hmm i would have to give this nine abominable oh. snowmans out of ten okay damn it <laughs> yeah jabriel just flipped me the finger I guys <laughs> anyways i i, I understand uh, i get it you're 31. You're 52. <laughs> I hate children. What can I say? I'm sorry. Okay. Look, he's a 52 year old who hates who hates children. <laughs> and, uh, as I as I reminded you, I got thrown out of the cinema when I was watching well, this film, so it brings up a lot of bad memories. Okay. Uh, to to reiterate for listeners out there, Ollie is he's 29. So. <laughs> I am not 29. I am 27. Okay. Anyway, Gabriel, please <laughs> tell us your rating. <laughs> also, Raph is bold. Raph is really, really bold, okay? <laughs> and he's got, like, Don't... buck teeth. Why do you think he's obsessed with Sully's hair? Uh, any, any casting agents out there, do not look for Raph. Don't bother. He is, <laughs> he is uncastable. <laughs> He's got horrific third-degree burns all over his face. My He's forehead. got a face for the radio. My forehead is brighter than oh. my future. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think you guys know what my rating is going to be. Like, I love this movie. I chose this movie because I love this movie. Um, yeah, it's a negative 73. No. Um, one out of 10. It's gonna be 10 out of 10. Uh, scream canisters. So. Scream energy canisters. Yeah. 10 out of 10 for me. 
and I guess we'll wrap it up there. This has been Nicely done. a pretty crazy yeah, episode, I guess. Um, because I chose this theme, I guess it's kind of like all over the place. We're trying something <laughs> new. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for coming. And before I forget, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment, five stars, review, iTunes, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming, guys. And catch you in the next one. Hey, guys, if you like the show, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on both at The Movie Noob. Thanks for listening, guys, and catch you soon. They probably made them an offer they can't... Mickey Mouse walked into their studios and made them an offer they can't refuse. I'm making an offer you can't refuse! Hey, listen to me, Pixar! Listen to me, you fool! I'm making an offer you can't refuse! That's going right to the... That's going right to the cutting bin. Yeah, yeah. There it goes. Shing! Gabriel's already editing this in mind. He's like, yeah, lose that, delete that. <laughs> We're going to put that in here. We're going to lose this. Uh, None of that all these whole make take it. on Hong Kong and China being Disney and Pixar, we're going to take that out. <laughs> I thought that was gold. No, it was great. I, 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 I no, no, it. I'm just kidding. I'm into it. I'm no, into I'm it. no probably, probably incorrect on a number of levels. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry.